welcome to another edition of the 66 to 87 podcast. I am Tom Reed, joined as always by Dave Molinari. A little bit later in the program, we will be joined by Dave Maloney of Madison Square Garden Network uh, to give us a little bit of insight, intel into the New York Rangers. Hard to believe that we are this late in the season, Dave. They have not played the Rangers I think it's a team they could end up playing in the playoffs. He will give us a little bit of insight into what's going on in Rangerland. But I think right now, Dave, uh, we're less than a month away from a trade deadline. And with the with the Penguins pretty much promised a playoff spot here as much as you could be in late February, I think everyone's kind of looking toward uh, late March and wondering – what, if anything's going to happen with the Penguins? I know this week, Dave, you spoke uh, to uh, some front office personnel trying to get a little feel for what we might see these guys do at the deadline. Uh, can you give us a little bit of, can you let our listeners in to what you're hearing right now? Well, uh, I mean, the, the first thing we should do is hang an asterisk on this, uh, that Things can always change because of an injury or, uh, you know, someone's protracted slump or, you know, an opportunity to acquire a player that comes along that no one was anticipating would be available. But as things stand at the moment, uh, the Penguins seem pretty content with the with the personnel that they have and they recognize that they really don't have much salary cap space uh, with which to work. And that if they were going to make a significant addition at the deadline, they would probably have to make a significant removal from their, uh, from their roster simply to create the, you know, the cap space to take on a, a meaningful contract. And this is where we get into this whole idea. And we talked about this, Right when they got in with Ron Hextall and Brian Burke, they are in that awkward, awkward phase of an organization that has won Stanley Cups, uh, that still aspires to win Stanley Cups, but is getting their stars are getting a little long in the tooth and they have to start looking at the long game here. Uh, you sent me some <laughs> notes ahead of time for today's uh, podcast, which by the way, we're doing on Thursday. And it, it almost read like a typo that said that they've only had one of their last seven first round picks that they've actually taken. Um, so, so they are in this situation where not only are they responsible, uh, and I'm, I'm, when they, I'm saying Burke and Hextall, uh, for what happens here over the next course of the next two or three months, but they have to start looking a little bit down the road. In, in, in reading some of this, some stuff, I get a sense that they – are not keen on maybe moving the, the, the first round pick this year or any of their, what they hope are their future assets to maybe win them an extra round or whatever this year? Uh, no, I mean, and that's pretty much uh, the position that, that those two have taken in, in their year plus on the job now, that they do want to contend uh, for another cup uh, while starting to replenish the uh, the prospects pool and those two seem to be at cross purposes <laughs> yes. you know you can't uh you know build up for the present while also building for the future but they've impressed me with their ability to walk that tightrope you know to this point yeah. um you know they they've 
put together a more competitive team this year than uh, I, I thought they would. I, I mean, I figured they would uh, be in a cluster of teams that would be fighting for a playoff spot in the in the Metropolitan Division. But, you know, barring a complete collapse over the final two months of the regular season, they're going to qualify. And, uh, you know, they've held on to all of their draft picks. And while I think their their attitude has to be never say never, about dealing the number one uh, in this year's draft, I think it would have to take an extraordinary set of circumstances for the, for them to seriously consider it. Um, you know, Hextall is uh, you know very much committed to the idea of of bringing some young talent into uh, into the organization, and the uh, the most obvious uh, way to do that is through the draft. Yeah. But again, this does where this brings in this situation. You when you start winning, and as you said, I think when we t- we talked at the beginning of the season, I thought that they were a playoff team. But but I would go along with the idea that they were kind of with the injuries and everything, maybe uh, maybe a wild card. I thought, but you know that looks like they're going to hold on to one of those spots in the top three. But what it does when, uh, with fans, I think, is when they're playing as well as they have, it raises expectations, and you think. Man, Sid's not going to be there forever. Uh, why not try to let's make one more run at it? Let's go get one more guy. And this is where the where the management has to be disciplined, right? This is where they have to say, "Look, this is this is the course we've set, and we're going to stick to it." Yeah, um, you know, barring some surprise development, you know, something that's not foreseen. Uh, you know, it's it's good to have a plan and the, you know, the resolve to, to stand by it. If, you know, if you believe in what you want to do, you know, you should, uh, you should adhere to, uh, to the roadmap that you've laid out. And, you know, I, the Penguins strike me as, as a team that, that could win a best of seven series from anybody, including some of the really quality clubs in in the league, like Carolina and Tampa Bay, um, but I, I don't think they could do it four times, and I yeah. really can't see a move that they could make uh, at the deadline that would put them in a position where they would be favored uh, in four consecutive series. Uh, right, you, know, you can always have things break your way and get favorable matchups and that sort of thing, but. I don't see them as an absolute top tier contender this year. And, and I don't know that it would be uh, worth mortgaging a significant chunk of their future to try to transform themselves into one. So this is, this is all kind of leading down one path for me. Um, when I look at this team and I say, what can be improved that could help them? I, I think in a lot of fans look the same way they look at that second line and Malkin, you know, he, he's come back pretty well. Uh, but the, I don't – you've got to bolster that second line. There has to be a winger, you know, Zucker, they get him back at some point. But everything seems to keep coming back to one player, to me, is Kasperi Kapanen. And if you were going to move somebody, if you were going to make a trade where you're not necessarily touching the youth of your roster – uh, Kapanen seems to be the guy if he can't get things together. And we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago and he's not 
he's not produced any more since then. Is he a guy, Dave, that as they get closer to the deadline might be willing to move, if not for a different type of forward uh, than Kapanen? You're probably not going to get that speedy guy that's supposed to score goals just for Kapanen because you're not going to get a lot for him. Uh, but something in there to maybe uh, help Malkin uh, bolster that second line. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not sure. You're certainly not going to get a productive second line winger, even up for Kapanen. Um, you know, that's, it's hard to imagine, uh, what any team that would have scouted him this season would see in him. And, you know, he, he's shown some promise at various points in his career, but his 21-22 has been an abject disaster. Um, so I, I'm sure they would be willing to part with him. You know, doing that would actually open up some salary cap space that could be sure. used in other, uh, you know, on other players. But, you know, I, I don't know what you would would get in return. I think you would have to package a pretty attractive asset with him to uh, have any hopes of, of getting somebody who would be a productive second line winger that could play with Malkin and Zucker. All right. We're just getting started here. As we said, we're going to have Dave Maloney on a little bit later, take a look at the Rangers, a team who I think they, they could end up playing in the first round and we'll have some more uh, good stuff, uh, a little bit more on the trades, a little more on the Rangers and uh, a little bit more on on the future of Chris Letang uh, beyond this season when we come back on the 66 to 87 podcast. to the 66-87 podcast. We'll be joined in a bit by Dave Molinari, or I'm sorry, Dave Maloney uh, to uh, to kind of preview the Rangers game on Saturday. A big game. Uh, national TV game, Dave, right? It's a national television televised game. I wasn't aware of that. but I think uh, it is. Afternoon, an afternoon affair, correct? It is an afternoon game, yes. I want to say that's uh, that might even be an ABC game. Um, Excuse my ignorance for or not being prepared, but I, I do think that that's a national game on Saturday. But Dave, I wanted to continue our conversation a little bit uh, about the trade deadline and just about the future of this team and introduce the, the element of a new ownership group. If you haven't heard, FSG bought the team, obviously, um, back at the start of the season. Uh, and... Um, so you have a new set of eyes on this team. I'm wondering, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here for a second. At some point, if 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 if, if the if the team if the Penguins were to go out again in the first round or in this get to the second round and not be competitive, do you wonder if 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 ownership starts to look at this? what they're trying to do here with it, with this, this core group of players, especially the older players and not Sid, Sid's going to be here, but, but, but with Malkin and Latang who are both free agents and wonder 
where are we going? Where where is this ship headed, so to speak? And why not? If if we're if we don't think we're going to get much further, why not start to rebuild? How how do you how how, how what's your view on that? Well, I, I mean, I, I certainly think it's a fair issue to raise. Uh, obviously, uh, Fenway Sports Group doesn't have a track record on on that sort of thing, at least in the NHL yet. So, right. you know, it's tough to say even how hands-on they would be in, you know, in going to management and, you know, saying, gee, maybe it's time to consider, you know, not necessarily blowing it up, but, you know, making radical changes to, to the roster simply because, you know, at, at this point they haven't won a playoff round, you know, since 2018. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, if, you know, with the, uh, the investment that they they made in in the penguins it you know it certainly would be you know reasonable for for them to wonder whether whether the group is worth trying to to keep intact by re-signing um Malkin and or Latang this summer or whether the uh, you know the money that would go to them could be uh could be better spent on you know younger players um, guys who might uh, make you competitive for for a few more years than uh, than Malkin and or Latang could. And, and what we know about this group, Fenway Sports Group, is they're they're heavily into analytics. Um, and again, this is it's apples and oranges to an extent when you start talking about a soccer team. Uh, but they have one of the world's best players in Mohamed Salah on their Liverpool team now, who's been part of championship teams in the last couple years. Uh, he is hitting the 30th birthday and contract negotiations have been very slow with him. And, and the feeling is, is, is their concern is giving him all that money he wants over a course of a four, four or five year contract where it's going to take him into his mid thirties. It's not that they don't understand what he is right now, but what is he going to be in three or four years? And I think that is basically the same conversation that you would have to have with, 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 uh, Malkin and Latang. Am, am I, am I, am I off base there? No, I mean, that's, the uh, the mindset that that management should take into any negotiation w- with any player the the contract that that you're trying to work out uh, with a player is for what he is what you project him being able to do over the life of that contract not what he has done to his in his career to that point um, you know um, Malkin and Latang both look like they you know they're they're certainly not at the at the peak of their games anymore but you know they're very very good nhl players in 2022 but you know it's not unreasonable to to wonder you know what will they be like two or three years down the road and you know will the uh salary cap space that that they would occupy be you know, be better given to uh, to a younger player. Uh, but 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 my goodness, what an emotional conversation that is! Considering what those two players that we're discussing right now, who are both unrestricted free agents, uh, have meant to this franchise. Uh, Malkin, I think, is a no doubt Hall of Famer. Latang might also be in that conversation. 
And that's, again, I'm, I'm playing both sides of this, but we're just having a conversation. What a hard sell that would be to the fan base. Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, it, it would, uh, you know, both of those uh, guys have won three rings here and played significant parts of, or roles in, in the success the Penguins have had over the past 15 years or so. Um, but, you know, ultimately, you know, this is a business. And if the decision makers conclude that uh, the Penguins' prospects for, for coming seasons would be better uh, with one or both of those guys out of the mix, then, you know, that really is the way they have to go. It's you have to strip the emotion, you know, out of the decision making process, mm-hmm. at least to, as, as much as you can. Um, you know, there's obviously going to always, you know, be some measure of it when you're dealing with a guy who has been around the, you know, the team for, for 15 years and, and filled such a significant role as, as Malkin and Latang have. But, you know, it's, you know, it's a business and it's the same way on, on both sides. You know, the, uh, the players have to decide if, you know, they would be uh, better served uh, by leaving because another team uh, might make them a better proposal uh, than the Penguins would. And that brings us, and that brings us to uh, the the third, the third uh, UFA in this conversation, which I'll be honest, we didn't talk about much over the summer and into the start of the season. It was all Malkin and Latang, Malkin and Latang, Brian Rust. Brian Rust is having a terrific season, and people outside of Pittsburgh, unfortunately, know that as well. Uh, they've seen uh, what a player this guy has become, and I do wonder, Dave, uh, as they get to the summer, does it become a conversation within management? Uh, it, does it become an either-or? Because I have a hard time believing you're going to be able to keep all three of those guys. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to be able to uh, work the cap and make the, again, we don't know what's, we never know what's going to happen with certain players on this roster. Uh, but boy, that seems like three guys that it's going to be hard to get under a salary cap and give them fair market value and, and still be able to maintain all three. I think it's being charitable to frame it that way. I, I think it's virtually impossible Uh to, to get all three and, you know, in under the cap, unless you're making, you know, dramatic reductions in your payroll elsewhere. Um, but you're right. Um, uh, Brian Rust is having a stellar season. Uh, I'm sure, you know, that if he is not re-signed uh, before entering his unrestricted free agency, um, that there will be teams out there prepared to, you know, make pretty staggering offers to him because, you know, he's a good two-way player. He's, he's still in the prime of his career, you know, unlike Malkin and Latang. Uh, You know, I could see him signing a, you know, a very nice deal elsewhere. And I mean, even if the Penguins decide to, you know, that, that keeping him is a top priority, um, 
they'll probably need him to to give them a bit of a a hometown discount over over what he might be able to get elsewhere. Now, what complicates this, and and, it, and there's nothing easy about this, uh, from either the emotion or the or just looking at it logically, um, but you can you can make the argument that it might be easier to replace a winger. We had this conversation for for our listeners off the air before we we started this segment, and and, and part of this is obviously we're leading to is this Chris Letang's last year in Pittsburgh. And Dave, I'll let you make your point about if Chris Letang is gone at the end of the season, what do they have as an offensive defenseman uh, coming up to play uh, in the next season? Oh, they don't. And it's not just an offensive defenseman. They, I mean, they would do not have anybody right now who could step into the, uh, uh, the role of being the right-handed defenseman on, on a top pairing. Uh during John Marino's rookie season a couple of years ago, um, I would have guessed that he would be able to take on those duties um, at this stage of his career if, if circumstances dictated that it was necessary. But he had a uh, disappointing sophomore season, and while he has rebounded somewhat um, during 21-22, uh, uh, I haven't seen anything uh, from him that uh, you know suggests that he he could seamlessly step into uh, Latang's role. And uh, another wrinkle on that that we didn't discuss um, would be if Latang would leave. Uh, do you consider parting with Brian Dumoulin? Mm. Because a you know a. Mm, yeah, big. You know, he's having a, a so-so season, but he allows Chris Letang to be Chris Letang. Yeah, uh, with his defensive work, and if Chris Letang isn't here, um, Brian Dumoulin obviously would still be a significant asset. But is he one that you might be willing to part with, um, to to address some other personnel issues? Yeah, uh, agreed that that nobody's going anywhere until the end of the season. No, no way they pull a deal for one of those one of those guys. Even they're one of their UFAs that they may lose for nothing at the end of the season. No, that yeah, that would sabotage right. the the whole concept of you know right. we we want to win another cup this year. If you uh, take out a, a big piece of your foundation, um, you know that. Uh, pretty much sabotages that whole concept. Yeah. All right. We're going to, we're going to bring an extensive talk about the Rangers themselves in a minute with Dave Maloney, not Dave Molinari. You can hear him all the time here on the podcast, but I do want to touch on this. Uh, the Rangers coming into town Saturday, a possible first round matchup. Uh, Dave, your thoughts on, on the Rangers this year and, and what kind of opponent uh, they might end up being uh, for the for the Penguins if indeed that ends up being the first round matchup. Well, they have a very good goaltender, mm-hmm. and you know that's always uh, a danger for for any team. If you run into a quality goaltender who is hot uh, during the playoffs, he can certainly steal a series. Uh, I think that as things stand today. The Penguins would be favored to win a series against the Rangers, who 
in my opinion, are on a definite upward trajectory as a franchise, but, you know, are, are a little bit ahead of, of where I thought they would be at this stage in their development as a team. I, you know, they, uh, they have a pretty promising future, but, you know, I, I don't know that they are ready to be a force in, in, in the playoffs just yet. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I, I think they are, again, I, I think that they, we, we talked a lot about Carolina in our last podcast as someone who the, the, the Penguins might have to get through at some point. Uh, I think the Rangers would be a, a, a nice matchup for them uh, because of their relative lack of inexperience in the, in the, in making deep runs in the playoffs with this group. Uh, they brought in Barkley Goodrose, won a couple of cups, but None of even their even their top line players, Abanajad, Panarin, they've never made deep runs into the playoffs. Uh, they are heavily a top three or four forward group, uh, and that really doesn't play well at five on five, and really lives on the power play. Now, in a in a, in a playoff series, can you win with goaltending in a a really hot power play? Yeah, I guess you could, but on the counter of that, the Penguins are a really good uh, PK group. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more of this with Dave Maloney. Uh, stick with us here on the 66 to 87 podcast. Back to the 66 to 87 podcast. We are delighted to be joined from Madison Square Garden Network uh, hockey Rangers analyst Dave Maloney, former defenseman on the, uh, the Rangers. I, Dave, you were in the you were in the 79 team. Were you on the team sure that was. went to the cup? Okay, yeah, I sure was. Uh, uh, for the first time in a while, I think there's some excitement about this team about getting back into the playoffs. Maybe at some point, uh, getting a run for the cup again. Um, it was a season of significant off se- off season changes, and one of them involved with the head coaching. Uh, I wonder what your thoughts are on the job that Gerard Gallant has done in replacing David Quinn. Well, it's interesting, and uh, hello to you, Tom, and to David. Um, it's great to chat. I think the thing with uh, I think a lot of us uh, weren't sure that David Quinn was going to live to see the fruits of his efforts. But I think it was quite shocking that he was let go as quickly as he was, given the fact that, you know, there was a, a really two COVID seasons that were adversely affected everyone. Uh, that being said, um, Gerard Gallant uh, has come in here with a refreshingly simpler approach to the game. He really, you know, prior, I had never met Gerard before. And really, you know, you don't have the access to the players and the coaching staff that we traditionally had. And I've only met him once, but you you know, talk to different guys who've been around him. He said he really doesn't say a whole lot. He doesn't give you much, and and you know what? You would think that that might be just he's hiding something, or you know, some of those coaches that think they're reinventing the wheel. But from my impression, he, it's a pretty simple game, according to Gerard Gallant. Now, this Ranger group has, by and large, on a relative basis, been together long enough now that. 
I don't need, uh, especially their older players, I don't think they need their hands held in every situation. And you get the sense that that's been a refreshing change in the coaching staff. And whether that's um, the, you know, that's part of the reason that the record is, uh, is what it is. Uh, so I think you have to credit uh, Gerard Gallant for just a little different approach. I remember he was asked um, coming into the camp, whether he talked to anybody over the course of the summer. And he said, no, I'll get to meet them at training camp. And, you know, that was kind of a refreshing change actually when you it's kind of a 24 7 operation from management to coaches coaches to players these days and a little bit old school there so he certainly had a good run uh dave the uh the rangers obviously started on a major overhaul mm -hmm. slash rebuild a few years back are they a bit ahead of schedule at, the, mm -hmm. at this point though in terms of developing into a contender because they you know they uh they're challenging for first place in the Metro right now. And, you know, they're a team that could do some damage in the playoffs. Yeah, no, you know what, David, I, you know, I get a little bit chastised in Ranger land for urging people to be, continue to be patient because I do think they are a little bit over their skis, uh, which is, listen, it's, nobody's going to complain about that. I think the, uh, the reality is the goaltender has been spectacular, absolutely spectacular. And I don't think any team, and that would be Shesterkin. And actually, Georgiev started roughly and then had a good run. And his last couple of starts hasn't been quite as good. So the goaltending, which going back, um, you know, to when they um, had this course change and going to clear house, basically, moving forward, I, I think that position uh, management felt wasn't going to be an issue with Shesterkin coming over. And it certainly hasn't been. He's been great. Uh, but, you know, all in all, you're not going to complain, as I said, about uh, spectacular goaltending in the regular season. You have to have it uh, come the playoffs. I think it's uh, any goalie can get hot. But boy, oh, boy, if you don't have the goaltending over the course of 82 games, you don't have any chance. And he's been terrific. So beyond that and their top guys have been good. Their top guys have been good. You know, Zabanajad has developed in a world class. He really is. He's a top center iceman now. Kreider's got himself 33 goals. His career high before was 26. Um, you've got Adam Fox, the reigning Norris uh, Trophy winner on the back end, who hasn't disappointed. And Panarin has been great. So it's uh, there's a lot of good things going here. I, I don't, you know, again, there's a lot of hockey. They have a lot of hockey left to be played in 32 games. Uh, we mentioned we haven't seen the Penguins. This will be the first of four. They've got Carolina three more times. Uh, they've got the Islanders three times. It's always a tough out. Uh, then they go out west. They play St. Louis, Winnipeg, um, Minnesota, and uh, one Dallas on a trip on the road. So, I mean, they're, it, it looks like they're going to be a playoff team. But now you're going to get into the smaller ice against a few more veteran teams. It'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. I certainly am not um, I'm every bit excited about what's gone on, even more excited for the future, but wouldn't disagree with those that observe that they might be a little bit ahead of themselves. Uh, David, the, um, the, 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 what you mentioned, and I thought it was a good way of putting it a little bit over their skis. Uh, I, I think one criticism of the Rangers or just the idea that they're, that they're not quite there yet, as far as building into a, 
a mm -hmm. cup contender right now right. is the lack of five on five scoring. You mentioned the mm -hmm. top guys. They, they seem mm -hmm. to be a very top heavy team. Mm -hmm. What can they do going down to the, what would you do if you were had a chance to have Chris Drury's ear about what they need going into the playoffs to kind of maybe help them at five on five a little more? Well, you know what, uh, Ted, I, I think, you know, patience is a virtue. I mean, the, the younger guys have been better and they're going to get better. I, I'm not sure there's one player, a trade, a, everybody who's looking for a top six forward, right? I mean, Kako, uh, Capo Kako is going to be a top six forward. Now he's been banged up. He's had a bad shoulder. He's missed a month. He's going to miss another month. You just slot him in that time, uh, top six role and give him time. Um, the, um, you know, they're looking, you know, everybody's looking for a veteran, uh, uh, presence on the blue line. Um, I, I'm just not sure that there's one or two players that's other, the, the real, the thing is when you get in it, you have to get in it to win it. And the goaltending is going to give them everybody an opposition to scare. Uh, but beyond that, and really when you look at their top, their top players, there are very few north-south players. And, you know, they love the tic-tac-toe plays and, and won't shoot until there's a gun pointed right at them. <laughs> uh, as you know, David, we've all been around long enough. Uh, when the ice gets smaller and the teams now, you, you climb up the ladder, the teams don't get worse. You start with 16 and you get down to eight, you get down to four. And... There's not a lot of room in the teams. They're either good teams or they're teams that are playing really well. So I just, I just think, you know what? Uh, they're they're going to be competitive. I think because of the goaltending. I think the experience for the younger players will be invaluable uh, moving forward. They are that much better. Uh, Keandre Miller's becoming a real player. Um, Heedle's finding an, a, a level. Uh, uh is still a young guy. He's going to be a good player. Um, so to answer your question, I'm just not sure that there's that one or two. They probably will make a move or two, uh, but I don't think it guarantees them that much more than when they go into this next season, next playoff round with the young guys they have and have the experience they have and then move forward. Uh, David, you you mentioned Adam Fox you know, winning the the Norris mm -hmm. last year, and mm -hmm. he'll certainly turn up on a lot of ballots uh, sure. this year. Even though you know it looks like uh, Kale McCarr is mm -hmm. uh, threatening mm -hmm. to lap the field there. But since uh, people in Pittsburgh haven't seen Adam Fox this season, at least in person, uh, what kind of season is he having after that spectacular one he had a year ago? He's having it, uh, David. He's having a tremendous season once again. I think, fortunately for the Rangers, he got hurt right before uh, the Olympic break. He missed three games, but the team then had two weeks off, and um, so he got himself back in the lineup. And he's he's a difference maker. He's um, you know he's not going to jump out at you like Latang will or Makar will. Um, he he's he, he and Panarin are a lot alike. They think the game so well. Um, you've really got to pay attention. The more you watch him, the more you realize really how good he is. He, he really has no business being the factor defensively he is, um, given his size. He's not overly aggressive. He's a little bit, you know, I remember they used to talk about Gretzky, right? 
and Gretzky, you know, he, uh, he didn't jump out as a skater. I mean, he handled the puck, didn't seem to shoot the puck that well until he had to shoot it. But boy, oh boy, there was so much going on between his right and left ear as far as the game went that he was a, a Hall of Fame all-world player, despite what you may play or pedestrian um, skill set, right? And I think that's the same to be said about Fox. You, you just, uh, you go, but you have to watch him. He just, he he thinks ahead. He's He puts himself in the right position uh, to give himself a chance to make the right play. He holds the puck. He's, you know, again, I get to see him day in and day out. and. Uh, Boy, oh boy, when you see great players, you know, you think everybody that's young and coming in is going to be a really great player. And then when you see great players, you, you guys have had the luxury of seeing great players for the last decade and a half. You know, when you see Crosby and Malkin and, and Latang, who are legitimate Hall of Fame players. Uh, boy, when you see those guys come along, you realize that's what it takes to be good and, and to be a Hall of Fame player. And Adam Fox has every trajectory to be a really, really great NHL player. Dave, I know we were. We, you mentioned uh, Kako and Lafreniere. Mm-hmm. You're, I think you're kind of waiting for them to maybe reach another level at some mm-hmm. point. But when I look at that defensive core, you just mentioned Fox, who, who was brought in on trade, uh, Keandre Miller, and then they bring this Braden Schneider up. Yeah, uh, they seem to have legitimately five NHL defensemen mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that can play every night and look like they're going to be there for a while. With obviously yeah. Truba and Lindgren in no the question. mix. No question, Tom. That that the the real depth of their uh, future once the young was going to be on the blue line, and there were a lot of people really like Schneider, and he's come up, and um, you know, again, you don't want to put him in the Hall of Fame or the All Star Game after what eight games or ten games, whatever he's played, but he showed a real uh, instinct. Um, he moves the puck. Um, he's not afraid. Uh, John Davidson, who was, you know, running the franchise when they drafted him, thought that they had a bona fide uh, NHL defender in Schneider, and early indications are such. And Lindgren and Fox, it's really fun to watch the two of them play together. They've kind of grown up together. They played in the development program together. They played in a couple of U.S. uh, junior national teams together. Um, and they really, it's, it's funny, they are both good players, but they're much better players when they're paired together. And um, they seem to be the first out for one another or the last out for one another. It's, it's really neat to watch. And I think, you know, with all the draft picks um, that were accumulated in draft, and you start with Kratzoff, you move around. I, I remember thinking at the time with all these picks, if you get one horse out of the deal and you get three, two or three others that are really good players, I, I think you'd do really well. And if the jury was out now in the draft picks, Miller might look like the horse on the blue line. He's big, he's fast, he's got wonderful hands. The only thing he doesn't have, he had a bit of a mean streak. If he had had a mean streak like Latang, he'd be Chris Palmer. But he doesn't have the mean streak. (laughs) He He doesn't yet, and I'm not sure it's in him. He'll get, and that's the same thing with the younger guys, right? I I don't know if you agree or not, David, but younger guys get a little more, they they get, most of them, they get, when they feel physically comfortable, they get a little bit angrier, they get a little bit meaner uh, as they get experienced. Um, But some guys just have it, and I'm not sure Keandre has it. Uh, but he's 
so far, in my observation, he's the leading horse out of all the top ones that they've drafted. David, uh, those of us who have followed the game for a few years remember you serving as captain of the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They don't have one this right. year. How, how do you feel about that? And who do you think would be the leading candidate to to wear the C the next time they uh, they give one out? Well, it's funny. This six-man um, committee seems to be working quite well. They, um, you know, you, you know, when you have six, the, the observation might be, well, you don't have one that's got a strong enough personality to, to be the captain. Um, and, the, you know, the role as in tradition has been one that I think it's specific to hockey. And fortunately, I was able to be in that role for a bit. And, um, I, you know, it's interesting, Dave. I, I, the guy I really thought it would have been is Lindgren. Now, he, there's so many higher-profile guys, but Lindgren is a guy that uh, competes, plays hard. But Truba, Truba has had a wonderful year. Truba has done everything. Uh, he's been as he's been he's playing his best hockey as a Ranger this year. He's taken upon himself to be a physical presence. He's a lot more vocal. Um, he's a much, much better interview than he ever was before. Uh, he seems to uh, be. So that's really, and again, David, you know, we're not in the room or around the guys quite as much as traditionally were. Uh, but from an outsider's observation out of that group, I, w- I would probably, you know, being a little more of an emotional character like myself or maybe a little more physically involved or could move the puck. You know, I I, I, I like Truba. I would I would put Truba right at the leading candidate now. But the six captain thing seems to be working. They're all getting along. There's communication, and it's funny how it works when you win a few games, though. So we'll see. Dave, we'll get you out of here on this one uh, again. As as I mentioned, we and we spoke about this earlier. Uh, Rangers Penguins could be a real possibility mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you're you're obviously laser focused on the Rangers, but what have you seen from the Penguins this year? Even though they have not played the Rangers at all. Well, I've watched their last two games, and um, I I just think uh, Mike Sullivan and has done a tremendous job there, and their 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 system produce this guy. Now, again, you've got leadership that you need to have, right? At the end of the day, the goaltending looks like it's playing what they expected it to be as opposed to what happened last spring or last playoff. Um, I just think, you know, again, it's a, it's a disciplined team. It's led by their, their top players are top players. They compete. Uh, Sid is Sid. You know, Malkin will be interesting if he can kind of, kind of just take a little play with a little more authority. That and I only saw the last two games. I know he was out. Um, you know, so Carter's a nice pickup. They're a legit team. I just don't know that they're. When I look at the East, I, I watched Florida and Carolina play the other night, and to me, Carolina is the cream of the crop. Uh, Florida, I'm not sure is disciplined enough yet. Uh, they can stay the course. So out of the East, and then. You know, I think I think all eight teams that are in there um, each have a chance with Carolina being the cream of the crop and Pittsburgh has guys that have been champions. So it's a coin flip in most series, uh, unless you're playing Carolina, I think. <laughs> all right. Dave, thank you so much for your expertise. Uh, okay. 
Dave Maloney from Madison Square Garden, whether it's on radio or television, does a terrific job. And that's all the time we have this week on the 66 to 87 podcast uh, for Dave Maloney and uh, Dave Molinari. Uh, this is Tom Reed. We'll talk to you next week on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network.